You are listening to Trailcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Trailcast on Mountain Bike Radio. If you want to head over to the Mountain Bike Radio website and check that out, you're going to find it's new and improved, and uh, you can head to the store and pick up some stuff over there. There's some some t-shirts and some hats and uh, heard there's some cool stuff on the way. You can also look at becoming a member and supporting the content that comes out on Mountain Bike Radio because you don't hear uh, commercials because, you know, we're about the content and not the commercials. So um, hook us up, hook yourself up. You can get into some uh, cool insider-only stuff with the membership thing there. And um, hey, this is uh, going to be a little bit different episode of Trailcast because normally I have some notes and I don't have any notes today. It's not that kind of episode. I've got uh, a little glass here. There's some bourbon and water going down. Don't be alarmed if you hear some ice cubes. All right. Um, here's the thing. There's been a lot of debate recently about you know, do I support Imba? Do I support this, uh, support the sustainable, huh, it's not easy to say sustainable trails coalition. Um, you know, is it worth supporting any of them at all? Uh, do I just go out and build trails and kind of do my thing and, and let all of this work itself out? Because, you know, maybe you're not local to Boulder white clouds or any of the, uh, currently, I'm going to call them disputed areas in Montana because there are areas in Montana that are not wilderness areas. They haven't been designated as wilderness areas, but they're in consideration to become wilderness areas. And because of that, they're being um, managed under the same guidelines. They don't allow mountain biking there because it's, it's under consideration. And the, the thought process that's going on there is, well, if, if nobody's mountain biking here when they decide to make it a wilderness, we're not going to have an established user base to, to fight off that thinks, wow, we should really be able to mountain bike here. Because no, they've not been able to mountain bike there for years, even though it's not a wilderness. So um, maybe none of that really hits close to home for you. Um, but there are other areas that are at risk. And, and I hate to use the term at risk. I don't want to sound like uh, I'm fear mongering or anything like that. But the reality of the situation is that there is currently an inventory taking place uh, in the Pisgah area. And if you've never heard of Pisgah, do some homework. The first place I'll send you is go to, oh, there have been at least two episodes of the last aid station this year within the past couple of months where uh, the Pisgah stage race, I believe the Pisgah 36, which used to be called the most horrible thing ever, I think um, are, are discussed. And and again, the most recent episode um, stage racing in, in Pisgah is discussed. Um, and it's one of those legendary epic areas. And it's being inventoried with an eye to consideration of whether or not it would make good wilderness area. And uh, here comes another drink. Good wilderness area. Hmm. I personally think that anything 
that is as wild and remote as parts of Pisgah are would probably make great wilderness area. The problem is, is there's no such thing as long as there's a blanket ban on mountain biking in wilderness areas. So, um, you know, whose whose fault is that? Um, there's a lot of debate going on. There's a, a thread in the trail building forum on MTBR right now, and it asks the question, Emba or the Sustainable Trails Coalition. You know, which one? Which one should I support? One, the other, neither. Um, you know, what are they collectively doing for me? And in addition to that, they recently had uh, two pieces, one written by a former president of the board at EMBA and another written by uh, the gentleman whose name escapes me, which is going to happen a lot on this podcast, I'm afraid, who is in charge of running, leading the Sustainable Trails Coalition. And it is, you know, why you shouldn't support the Sustainable Trails Coalition and why you should support the Sustainable Trails Coalition. Um, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of politicking involved in that. There's a lot of history involved in that. And as strange as it sounds, I never had any desire to be the podcast that covered all of the politicking and all of the nonsense that goes on in a lot of the behind the scenes trail stuff. And so one of the questions, and I've been over this before you hear so frequently about Emba is what has Emba done for me lately? How many miles of trail has Emba built near me? How many miles of trail has Emba, you know, reopened near me? How many miles of trail near me has Emba kept from closing? And for me personally, you know, if I wanted to look at it like that, an Emba as an, an international organization hasn't really done a whole lot for me personally, because in this area, look, there are a lot of trails being built by Sorba out here, Emba, Sorba, um, mid 10 Sorba is doing some great trail work, but as I don't know how much of that honestly is supported by, you know, national, I think it's mostly just the local guys, um, who have gotten together and they happen to be an Emba chapter or Sorba chapter, or, you know, we're in the Southeast, we're Sorba by God. Um, so how much, how much does Emba really do for me? And any answer to the question, probably in that direct and tangible way, probably not a whole lot. Um, is that a fair question to ask? maybe, maybe not. Um, but the thing is, is that IMBA is the international body that is most looked to by governments and other organizations when it comes to mountain biking. And the only way to change that is to essentially tear IMBA down and start over. And so my take on it is, unless you're willing to build another organization from the ground up and do so in a way that garners it the respect that EMBA has um, in the political arena right now, you should probably leave EMBA alone. Um, Sustainable Trails Coalition, what have they done? Well, as of yet, they haven't really done anything for anybody. Frankly, it sounds like a good idea. Let's make it legal to mountain bike in wilderness areas on a case-by-case basis. That is the caveat there. They're not looking for blanket uh, open permission to ride in wilderness areas. 
they understand that there are wilderness areas that um, I'm, I'm going to go there. I was in a wilderness area in Colorado one time that I was on horseback. <sighs> Don't shoot me. Um, I couldn't fathom that area being truly enjoyable to mountain bike in. Um, it was just too rugged. And I know that that sounds strange coming from somebody who enjoys technical trails, but we're talking about beyond technical. We're talking about, um, if you had to go uphill, it was going to be a hike a bike. And if you had to go downhill, um, well, you better have a downhill bike. It just, I mean, it, it didn't look like the kind of area that was going to be really enjoyable to mountain bike in, in large sections of it. So I, I, you know, really who cares if I can't mountain bike there, there, there are are real treasures. Um, Boulder white clouds. I'll go back to it. I don't want to harp on it. I'm going to, um, there are real treasures out there. Man, check, go look at some of the pictures that were taken by mountain bikers out there and those pictures in areas that you can't ride now. You'll never have that opportunity unless something changes again. You used to have that opportunity. Uh, It would be great to ride in those places. That's a very reasonable approach. Let's be able to ride there. There's trail already there. This other place, uh, the trail there, I mean, they're old mule trails, trails from uh, prospectors, really. They're prospector trails, and they are universally, categorically, not the sort of trails that I look at and think, I'd love to put a bike on this trail. So honestly, I, as much as I don't like being told I can't do something, I probably wouldn't have a whole lot of interest in riding there. So, okay, I'll let them keep that. Pisgah. You know what? I love the idea of preserving areas like Pisgah. I I like the idea that when my grandchildren are my age, they'll be able to take their children, my great-grandchildren, out to these areas and enjoy pristine wilderness. Hmm. My only hope is that they can do it from a mountain bike if they choose to. Now, that seems maybe a little far-fetched given the current situation of things. Um, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is that there are a lot of people who feel like if the Sustainable Trails Coalition opens up the door for amending the Wilderness Act to make it legal to mountain bike in select wilderness areas, that it's going to open the door for, you know, you always see this, these piggyback um, legislation. So they say, well, all right, here we go. We're going to, we're going to generously open up the vote to see if we can, you know, amend this. And here's the amendment. Here's the proposal and allows, you know, um, mountain biking to be regulated on a case by case basis in wilderness areas. And, oh yeah, it also allows uh, logging or, you know, oil drilling or, you know, whatever, coal mining, (laughs) insert horrible thing you don't want to happen in pristine wilderness here. That's the fear. Um, Is it legitimate? Sadly, anyone who says that could never happen obviously hasn't been paying a whole lot of attention to what our government in Washington, D.C. has been doing. Um, 
far from going into any detail. I mean, let's just acknowledge the fact that they frequently piggyback legislation on completely unrelated things um, with stuff. So, you know, you end up with uh, thousands of mountain bikers cheering on this piece of legislation only to find out that uh, the next time they go to this wilderness where, you know, 20 years ago they rode a mountain bike and then it got closed uh, to mountain bikes because it was made a wilderness. And they go back out there and there's, I don't know, a logging road where the trail used to be. Um it's a horrifying prospect, but realistically, um, I think that, that there are enough people involved here where if we did open the door, uh, I can't see, you know, while, while the, the Sierra club and, um, you know, several others are going to fight tooth and nail against having this, this door opened for this regulation to be looked at, um, the reality of the situation is if that door does get opened, you better believe that they're going to be going through that legislation with a fine tooth comb with the same weight of authority that, that their lobbyists now have, um, you know, saying, you know, let's make this wilderness. Let's not allow mountain biking. Because make no mistake. It is these organizations that, um, have, have hoodwinked. Um, and, and, and I, say that, uh, that that's what they've done. They've hoodwinked, um, the, the, you know, Bureau of Land Management, um, and, and the other organizations, Forest Service into, um, believing that mountain biking shouldn't be allowed, that, that mountain bikes are, are mechanized travel and they shouldn't be allowed in wilderness areas. Um, because the original intent was remote places, that would encourage outdoor recreation. That was the intent of wilderness. Um, far from, uh, far removed from all of that, we get back to, back to EMBA and the Sustainable Trails Coalition. Well, what's the difference? Well, here it is. Right now, EMBA has been working at the table with these other organizations for so long, trying to get boundaries redrawn uh, to, you know, leave certain trails open, um, you know, get pieces of trail excluded from wilderness zones. Um, that, that they, there's kind of this uh, rapport there now that, that where there's a little bit of trust built up. And these other organizations really don't want to see this door open for this legislation. And EMBA has said, okay, um, yeah, let's, let's not open this door right now because if we push to do that, we could damage our reputation and our credibility with these other organizations. And I understand where EMBA is coming from. I really, really, truly do. The problem is, is that Emba's current stance, I don't think does enough to either prevent the future closures of trails or to rectify the trails that have already been taken from us. And and I use taken from us, stolen from us. It does need to be rectified. I'm not going to apologize for my terminology there. Um, so. The Sustainable Trails Coalition is willing to push for for this this 
change. Um, sadly, they need money, and because they are overtly political, they can't be a nonprofit. And so, you know, okay, you're not going to get uh, your donation to them is going to be tax deductible. How many of you itemize your taxes anyway? What a headache. Um, and I'm not saying don't itemize your taxes, and I'm not saying I don't do it because I do. But what I'm saying is this. Um, there are incentives to donate to places like EMBA because that is tax deductible. Um, but you don't have that with the sustainable trails coalition. And so if you start putting like reasons to, or not to on a set of balance scales, um, you can make an argument either way because the sustainable trails coalition really wants to, um, correct the problem and and to address the the grievances that we have of being locked out of some fantastic mountain biking areas now ultimately what happens there is way 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 up in the air because the sustainable trails coalition uh we know what what they want and we know what they've told us they want to do but we know that it takes money and you know each of us can give like a drop in the bucket kind of thing. We don't know how this is going to work out. We don't know if they're ever going to actually manage to do anything because moving in the halls of Washington does take a lot of money. If you don't believe me, look at some of the stuff that's published on how much lobbyists spend in DC. Um, and, and that's what the sustainable trails coalition is up against is, uh, the, the sort of endowment that the Sierra club has, um, it's, it's scary. You, I mean, really and truly you look at how much money some of these organizations that we're going to go into the ring with have. And, uh, it's one of those head scratcher things. And the reason it's a head scratcher thing is, is because really mountain biking is kind of a fringe thing, isn't it? Um, probably not as much fringe as everyone would have you believe. I think that there are some reports that say that the numbers of cyclists in the United States have gone down. And I think that that includes, I think that's based on bike sales. Um, <clears throat> I think that probably if you look at the sales numbers and you break it down a little bit further, that while overall sales may be increasing, that the portion of mountain bike sales uh, in, in that number has been increasing. And I know for a fact that there are a lot of new mountain bikers in, in this area. And I also know for a fact that there are a lot of mountain bikers in this area that aren't on anybody's radar. Um, that's kind of where I want to go with this because if there are a lot of us that nobody knows about, then maybe we aren't quite as fringe as everybody thinks. That's kind of where I want to go with this. If we're not as fringe as everybody thinks, then maybe we have more political weight than anybody really thinks. And that's where we need to stop thinking about either EMBA or the Sustainable Trails Coalition and think, you know what? Um, most of the people listening to this podcast probably have something in the neighborhood of a thousand dollars tied up in a, in a mountain bike. And I dare say that more than one person listening to this podcast has probably got 
um, you know, maybe $1,500 tied up in one bike and, you know, $2,500 tied up in another bike. And, you know, if you got a couple of mountain bikes, there's also a really good chance that you got an, a road bike or a gravel bike. I mean, you, we're talking about, we're talking about, it's, it's real easy to screw up five grand in this, in this, I'm going to call it, but it's a sport hobby, whatever it is. Um, addiction. Yes, this is our addiction. It's easy to screw up five grand in this addiction real quick. But if you're riding around on $5,000 worth of bikes, I think you should be able to see your way to giving $50 a year to two different organizations, i.e. EMBA and the Sustainable Trails Coalition, for a grand total of 100 bucks a year to lend your voice to the fight, so to speak. Um, and, and I wouldn't just say that this is about um, – it's not just really about wilderness trails um, or whether or not we can mountain bike in the wilderness. You know, that's what I'm focusing on right now, but there's so many other applications for this. Um, Simply looking at it from a standpoint of going to a park service parks department and saying, you know, you've got this land over here. Um, we'd like to build some trails on it and they go, well, for what? And you say, well, hiking, mountain biking, um, and they go mountain biking. We don't really have that many mountain bikers around here. Do we really? Because a lot of people don't know, but if you could go, well, Imba says that they've got, you know, I don't know. 45 or 50 members in this area. Um, and that's just, you know, like this zip code, never mind if we build this thing, how many people might actually show up from the surrounding zip codes where, you know, if you add all of that up, we've got almost, you know, 500 mountain bikers. Um, and the only reason there probably aren't more mountain bikers in this zip code is because there's no place in this zip code to mountain bike. Um, Look at the weight that that might lend to something. But the problem is, is that like, I know a bunch of guys who are building trail in, uh, in one of the County parks here and it's legal. Everything is cool. They're on the up and up and they're doing a great job. But I dare say that at least three quarters of these guys that are doing this building, um, they don't have Emba memberships. They don't care about Emba memberships. It comes back to what has Emba done for me lately? And the answer to the question, as I said earlier, you know, if you really want to get right down to it, not a whole lot. Um, but does that mean that we shouldn't be supporting them? I think ultimately we have to say we are hurting ourselves if we don't support the organizations that are working for us, whether they're the organizations that are working for us that we think so far this hasn't been working, but we need to support them because they are the most politically respected organizations, or if it's the unknown organization. And when I say unknown, I'm not talking about like nobody knows who they are. I'm talking about they're an unknown. We don't know if if the Sustainable Trails Coalition is actually going to come to anything, but if we don't get behind it and try, I guarantee you it's never going to come to anything because what they're relying on is the weight of the mountain biking community getting behind that cause. Um, 
what's the problem with just going, oh, well, let's support one or the other. Then I'm going to support the Sustainable Trails Coalition. Well, you do that and, you know, they've got records of where the money came from. They know where it came from. But, you know, the reality of the situation is, is that they're kind of an upstart group. And if it fails, even if a bunch of us get behind it, then, you know, then you've got Emba kind of sitting there with mud in its eye and everybody going, I thought you represented mountain bikers, but these guys had, you know, like, you know, 250,000 donors. And, you know, it looks like nationwide, you guys have only got like 150,000 members. Uh, well, how come they had more donors than you guys have members? Don't y'all pull from the same, from the same pool? Um, and, and it suddenly becomes obvious that Emba doesn't have the support that everybody thought it did from the mountain biking community. Um, and you know, the wheels fall off of that and, and we lose what we had. Um, it's kind of a big mess, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's not something that I've enjoyed thinking about because I do think about these things. Um, I, I look at the situation and I go, um, wow, we've got, um, a problem and, you know, people that have been trying to deal with the problem, albeit, you know, in some instances, apparently somewhat ineffectively. And when we've got, you know, this other crowd who wants to deal with this situation, the problem is, is that one of the reasons that we know that Emba has been ineffective, if you want to, you know, oh, they're not doing anything. One of the reasons that they have been ineffective is because they're trying not to completely piss off all of these huge organizations that have endowments that like, we can't even dream about Emba having an endowment the size of what the Sierra club has or, um, the wilderness, what is it? The wilderness organization. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, a lot of old money, has gone into organizations like those for a lot of years. And I don't think a, that there's that much old money in the mountain biking community and B people certainly aren't giving that money to Emba. So, um, there's that to consider. Um, so they're trying not to piss off these, these behemoths of, of, um, outdoor lobbying, and then there's the upstart who's ready to come in and punch them all in the eye. And right now, Emba's kind of in duck and cover mode going, guys, um, I realize that this guy's over here talking trash and, you know, he's rolled in on a, on a mountain bike. And, but look, um, we, but that's not us. We're not him. He's not us. Um, and, and the reality of the situation is, what I'm saying is, um, buy that guy's bike for him and support Emba. So send Emba and the Sustainable Trails Coalition. There's this um, great tactic in war called the pincer movement. <laughs> okay, uh, I may be stretching a little bit there, but what I'm saying is this, is that if we don't have as much support as possible for both of these organizations, 
then neither one of them is really going to accomplish what we want accomplished in the end, whether Imba changes its tactics or not. But right now, Imba is going to the table with what it has, and it doesn't deem that what it has is really enough to lean on some of this stuff and, and you know, really accomplish what we'd like to see accomplished, which is, you know, this, this backdoor reach around mountain bike ban, um, removed from wilderness areas because this is what this is. It's a backdoor ban. Um, this was not part of the original legislation. Uh, this is something that was brought in by organizations that felt like, these mountain bikers are going to come in and tear everything up. This is mechanized travel. These people are loud, obnoxious, dirty. Uh, they smell funny. We don't want to be around them. And um, obviously, they don't remember what they smelled like when they got done through hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, and if you've ever through hiked the Appalachian Trail or been around somebody who has, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's got its its own scent. And that's to take nothing away from the Pacific Crest Trail, um, which is a very similar scent, really, if I'm honest. But um, what I'm saying is this. If you're sitting there and you're going back and forth about which one do I support, the answer to the question is both. If you're sitting there and you're going, come on, man, uh, Emma's not doing anything for me, man. I don't I don't agree with what they are doing, where they are doing it. Um Guess what, man? If you want to be able to go to Pisgah, if you've never been there, it's worth the trip. Um, if you ever want to be able to go there, it might be a good time to get on board because, you know, here's the thing is like, I don't know on an international level when I go fill out a survey, if as one of 50,000 people that fills it out, um, I'm kind of just a statistic. They don't really listen to me, I'm sure. Um, you know, Mark Eller might kind of know who I am, but I'm pretty sure that the results of the survey are anonymized. And, you know, probably Mark Eller doesn't have enough time to sit there and think about, oh, here's Drew, man. <laughs> we'll make his, we'll make that count double. Um, that's probably not happening. Um, on a more local level, Sorba mid 10, man, if I go to them and say something, they listen and they don't listen because I have a podcast and they don't listen because, uh, I got a job building trails in, in one of the neighboring counties. It's kind of like just outside of their jurisdiction kind of thing. Um, they listen to me because, um, you know, they listen to people who show up to trail work days and clearly know what's going on and what's doing and help out doing what needs to be done. Uh, that when you, when you speak, when you make a suggestion, they're going to take it into account. And I know that they take it into account. I know that they listen when I talk because they respond, you know, and, and sometimes they respond in the negative. They go, nah, man, we've looked at this and really probably this is the best way to do it. And, and that's fine, man. I'm just, um, you know, if I've got input, I'm going to give it to them. And I'm kind of like that with Imba as an international organization. I'm like that with my local club. I'm going to give them input. Um, and, and, you know, I don't get my way all the time. I'm not special. But the thing is this, is that if I wasn't giving my input to Imba, 
nobody's going to give my input to Emba. And so if you're not a member and you're not like taking their surveys and you're not giving them input and feedback, then who is, you know, if, if they're getting feedback from a bunch of yes men going, Oh yeah, no nah, man, that's cool, bro. We like that. Um, you know, guess what? They're not going to change anything. If they suddenly get, you know, 20 or 50,000 new members and the vast majority of those new members go, dude, you really need to step it up. Then I think, you know, they might reconsider, maybe they might not do a 180, mind you, but they might reconsider the the tactics and the course of action that they take. Um, the Sustainable Trails Coalition, what they're doing, to be clear, because, I mean, there are people who are like, uh, you know, wilderness areas, not all wilderness areas need to permit mountain biking. It's That's just the way it is. Um, if you think I'm wrong, you're entitled to that opinion. Um, but the reality of the situation is there are a huge number of people who, while they would like to be able to mountain bike in a lot of wilderness areas, feel like mountain bikes don't belong in other wilderness areas. And frankly, they're probably not wrong. So the Sustainable Trails Coalition wants to open things up so that on a case-by-case basis, mountain biking can be considered as a legalized activity in wilderness areas. And what that means is, is that, you know, the areas where they don't need mountain bikes, it's not going to be incumbent upon those areas now to accept mountain biking. But there will be areas where there have been mountain bike trails for years before they were made wilderness where they're going to go, you know what? Um, they let mountain bikes in here before, and there's really no reason why they shouldn't be able to be here now. Um, other than the fact that it's a wilderness and boom, you know, let's go, we can mountain bike there again. Um, is it going to work? That is a heck of a good question because again, um, my uh, my crystal ball is kind of cloudy right now. My eight ball is uncertain, and um, I'm not a prophet. What I can tell you is this. They have to have support if they're going to succeed. You can't sit back if you want to see this succeed and go, eh, think I'll bide my time and wait and see if anything comes of this. Because, honestly, the Sustainable Trails Coalition could be a very temporary thing. They go in, they get the job done, they get out. You know, I don't know about you, but the last time I was in Washington, D.C., I didn't want to stay there very long. Um, so look, you, you, you go in, you do the job, you get out. If you don't support them now, when are you going to support them if that's the case? And, you know, if you don't support them now and they fail, what are you going to do? Sit back and go, huh, told you so. Because maybe, I mean, not your $5, but your $5 and the guy three houses down who's doing the same thing right now, you know, all right, maybe that made the difference. Maybe not. But look, 
the, there are a lot of people out there who are on the sidelines, who are who are sitting there, who are are waiting to get into the game, or just don't care about the game. They just want to go ride their bike in the woods. And you know, look, you don't have to go to club meetings. You don't have to fill out every survey that comes out. You don't have to buy Emba socks. Um, but give them something. Get a membership. Um, give the sustainable trails. I don't care if you're on a $500 bike and you ride in your local park, um, get on board, do something because honestly, the problem is all about political weight. And if the powers that be elected officials look at the number of mountain bikers and they say, look, Mountain bikers as a total, you know, of our voting population here is not a, it's not a very big portion, you know, it's not a large percentage and it's shrinking. So why should we waste our time on legislation that makes things better for mountain bikers? Um, you know, never considering the idea that there are more mountain bikers out there than maybe are members of EMBA or whatever. So here's the thing. The point of the whole thing is, I hope you're aware that this situation exists. If you're not aware that this situation exists, check it out because it exists and mountain bikers have lost and will continue to lose significant, significant mileage of absolutely fantastic and irreplaceable trails if something isn't done. Now, notice I didn't say one or the other. I said both. It's not an either-or thing. You're, you're in or you're out. Um, if, you, if you don't have $100 to spare uh, to support both organizations, then you know, reevaluate, man. Um, skip the lattes for a month. You'll have a hundred dollars. Um, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. If you enjoy this enough to go out and spend a thousand dollars or thousands of dollars on bikes, um, what are you going to do when it goes away? You're going to have some really expensive bikes and very few really great places to ride because that's what's happening. All of these little um, parks in in metropolitan areas is chump change. The real riding is in these vast tracts of absolutely nothing that are perfect candidates for wilderness areas. And they're perfect candidates for wilderness areas for a reason, it's beautiful if you've ever been into a wilderness area. It, it's really a special experience. It's an experience that we ought to be able to have from a mountain bike. So um, wake up, get out there. Here's a tip. Here's a free tip. Imba's membership dues are going up after the first of the year. Get in now before they go up. Um, hit the sustainable trails because it's still not going to go over 50 bucks, man. Give 50 bucks to both of these organizations and participate in the surveys. When Imba sends out a thing that says, hey, the Forest Service wants to know what you think about this area over here because they're considering this for a wilderness area. 
go fill the stuff out. Take the time to go fill it out. Look, it's going to rain at some point. The trails are probably too muddy to ride. You've like greased everything on your bike three times. There's more lube on your chain than you really need there. Wipe some of it off and go fill out some of these things online because yes, there are probably more fun things that you could do, but you're going to have the opportunity and it matters. And I think that this is the biggest problem that we face as a mountain biking community is that we don't take our civic responsibilities as mountain bikers seriously enough. Oh, that's profound. I sit here. I need to have another drink after saying something that profound. My ice is melted, so it doesn't jingle anymore. But here's the thing. If you go out and you do this and you give money to these people and you answer their questions, you, you, you know, fill out the surveys, you do all of this stuff that you need to do and everything still fails, you can be upset because you actually did something. If all of this fails and you're still sitting there playing the wait and see game, you can't get mad because you didn't do anything. Okay. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's where the whole thing boils down to is if you, if you don't get involved, then the odds are better than it's going to fail. And if it does fail, you know, what do you, okay, I'll go find another hobby. <laughs> Great. Um, but if you get involved in this works, then you have the right to mountain bike to enjoy the outdoors in the way that we as a group of people, I mean, if you're listening to mountain bike radio, I'm assuming you mountain bike. We as a group of people have chosen sometimes at great expense. Um, I mean, when you can spend $10,000 on a mountain bike, um, wow. We have chosen this mode to enjoy the outdoors. Why should anybody be restricted from enjoying some of these natural areas when they're doing it under their own power, regardless of whether they're just doing it on the rubber sole of a shoe, whether they're doing it with a bike under them, whether they're doing it with a pair of skis under them, a kayak, Regardless, okay, as long as it doesn't involve an internal combustion engine or some motorized process, you know what? I don't even care if you're riding a horse out there. Um, if if you're riding a horse out there, I mean, I've done it. It's beautiful. That particular place I'm talking about in Colorado, unbelievable. We rode in on horseback um, to this alpine meadow that was hidden in the middle of some of the gnarliest country I've seen. It's a little stream running through the middle of it. You could fly fish. You could pull brook trout out of there on a bear hook with an aspen leaf on it. It was incredible. Um, If you want to be able to mountain bike into these areas, do something. If you want to be able to continue to mountain bike in areas where you can already mountain bike, you think I can already mountain bike at Pisgah. 
if they make it a wilderness area the way things stand right now, you can kiss it goodbye. Um, and they're looking at a lot of great trails. Don't believe me? Uh, there's an article on singletracks.com. Go check that out. Um, it's it's unreal. You wanna you wanna talk about uh, you know places that are are not mountain bike friendly in general. You know, look at California. I've been listening to to the Path podcast. Uh, it's a new podcast on mountain bike radio. I'm sure you've heard of the Path Bike Shop uh, podcast. And and those guys are in an area where I've always been under the impression that you know there's some great riding out there, but there's also a lot of places out there where you just can't ride. And that's not necessarily wilderness stuff. It's just you know, places that aren't friendly to mountain bikes. Well, let's get the weight behind these organizations. We get the weight behind EMBA. EMBA is the organization that's going to go to the table and, you know, negotiate this stuff. And you can say, well, they haven't done anything so far. Well, maybe they're doing the best they can with what they got. Maybe if you give them a little more to work with, if we all gave them a little more to work with, and I don't mean necessarily more money, although that's going to be a default result of um, more members. If there are more members, the big thing that they need more of is political clout, and that comes in the form of members. Get with it. Get out there. Um, man, get it done. And when when you've joined and, and given money and, and all of that, um, Go get on your bike. If you're feeling depressed about the money, go get on your bike and and go go hit a trail and remember what it is that you love about this stuff and plan like your next your next bike vacation. Um, you know, pointed at pointed at Pisgah, pointed at like these places on the East Coast. And I'm still convinced that Harrisonburg, Virginia, is probably one of the best kept secrets in mountain biking. Um, in Pennsylvania, and there's some great places on, on the East Coast. You know, head down to Georgia, hit uh, LJ, Georgia. Um, you know, the, there's great riding all over this area. Um, where you can go out west, I mean, there's some fantastic stuff there. Go overseas, go to Scotland. I want to go, I want to go to Scotland and go mountain biking. Plan this stuff out, look at what's out there, and Go and enjoy the stuff like that because that's what this is about. And that's what you're supporting is just the opportunity to continue to do that in the future and to expand the opportunity to do that in the future. And frankly, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of at a loss as a way to, to beat this into anybody's head. So I'm not really going to try to, um, I've said my piece, I've said it for more than I normally do on, on this podcast. I don't normally run much over about a half an hour. I'm, I'm up over the 45 minute mark. Um, but, but that's, that's where I'm coming from right now. That's what I wanted to get out there for, um, episode 12, December, the holidays, man, Merry Christmas. Um, Go join EMBA. Go support the Sustainable Trails Coalition. Um, and like the holiday season, you get some time off. I'm going to spend some quality time on some single track. Um, I don't know about y'all, but you know, I'm going to see my family. I'm going to spend some time on some single track. And I'm going to enjoy myself. And hopefully it's something that I'm going to continue to be able to do for a long time. Because uh, hopefully some of these areas that I'm riding in are not going to end up designated wilderness. Or if they do, it's going to be a wilderness where mountain bikes can legally exist. That said, 
I want to thank Ben Wellnack at Mountain Bike Radio for giving me a forum for this podcast. Um, he's uh, he's in the trenches. He's doing it. And like I said, he's put this new website together. Y'all go check that out. Um, definitely, like I said, support by becoming a member. Um, go to the shop, buy some some cool gear or whatever. Let everybody know you listen to Mountain Bike Radio. Speaking of letting people know, um, give the Mountain Bike Radio podcast and the Mountain Bike Radio apps, which you can download for Android and for iOS at the uh, at the the respective app stores. Give those some reviews. Like I said, give the Mountain Bike Radio podcast uh, a review if you listen to that on iTunes or what have you, because the positive reviews that that we get on that, that makes it easier for everybody else to find this. It makes it come up in the suggestions. It's a big deal. Um, big props to some of the other shows out there. Um, I've been loving the last aid stations, new format. If you haven't listened to that and you think it's just one guy doing race results, man, it's changed up. Um, no offense, Mark. I listened to it all the time when it was just you, man. I love the new format. Um, and Check that out. Uh, JRA, man, always good for a laugh. Hey, just shout out to all of the podcasts on Mountain Bike Radio because uh, I listen to everyone that comes out. I listen to Apex Nutrition. I listen to LW Coaching. I listen to all of it because um, because I'm a mountain biker and because all of this stuff that comes out, being dad show, shout out, Ben, thanks. Um, all of this stuff affects my life. I can uh, I can I can listen to all of it and and pull something out of it or wonder, hey, am I doing something right? So I'm not just a guy sitting here rattling on about trails. I'm a guy that's listening to all of the rest of this stuff and you know occasionally i'm yelling at somebody going oh man i don't think that's right um but you know what um i'm not an expert on on all of the stuff that i hear on mountain bike radio i just know how to build trails so um this is episode 12 of the Trailcast, and i'm drew and if you want to follow me on twitter I'm at Catharius, that's C-O-T-H-A-R-Y-U-S, same handle on Instagram. Also, check out uh, facebook.com slash the Trailcast podcast, and um, have a happy holiday and a happy new year. Get out, hit some single track. Uh, Trailcast will be back in January. I'll be back hopefully with something lighter to talk about that'll be a little bit more enjoyable and um, looking forward as ever to feedback from the listeners trailcast at mountainbikeradio.com. Uh, thanks for the, the great first year from my listeners and uh, Hey, I'm out. Y'all enjoy.